Ladies and gentlemen, you know what that sound means. It means it's episode 195 of the Personal Arrogance Podcast brought to you by the Bald Move Network. I am your host. My name is Eric Halfling Wizard Walquist, and joining me this week, as he does each and every week, is the other host of the show. His name is... Jesse the Dungeon Master Wilson. Jesse the DM, baby. I was cracking myself up the other day. <laughs> uh-huh. Because I was thinking about the play, the the source books for Dungeons and Dragons, and how ridiculous the titles actually are. Yeah, like for one, like the one that's the least ridiculous is called the Monster Manual. <laughs> I think that that's the most ridiculous. It sounds like it could be like Lady Gaga's autobiography, or just like a a, a, a technical manual for a car from the seventies called like the. <laughs> The Mitsubishi mo- monster, the, the AMC monster. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the and AMC then, Cobalt. And then you have the player's handbook, which sounds like street code for like how you should behave. Like, <laughs> it sounds hey, like a show on VH1. Hey, baby, that breaks all the rules of the player's handbook. <laughs> and then you have the dungeon master's guide, which just sounds like some sort of S and M. Like secret society code book that only like members of Skull and Bones yeah. have access to. Speaking of which, did you see that they are releasing? They've they've sent out the fifth edition uh, release dates. Cool. Yeah, it's gonna be really hard to get me off of three point five. Well, this is the problem. It's like, and plus, each of the books is fifty dollars. Yeah. The, is that I how mean, much they normally they were like a, they were like thirty originally. Inflation these days, you know. Well, that's what I'm saying is you can get the 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 three point five manuals for thirty bucks on Amazon used. Yeah. So I don't know. Is it is fifth edition better than three point five? Is it forty percent better than yeah. three point five? I don't know. I doubt it very much. Three point five re-release, printing money. It's, Actually, no, they've already they're reprinting it. Oh, good. I'm you can just, get, like, new copies of it. I guess that Wizards of the Coast is already printing money because they make magic cards. Right. <laughs> it's technically just printing money. Magic uh, cards literally is printing money. Yeah, literally. They're like, we're going to print this card, and it's going to be worth, like, 150 bucks. Mm-hmm. Bam. Money. But the weird thing about it is they don't make any of that money, because they don't do, like, No, they're not sales. involved in the secondary markets. It's it's a really strange thing. I think maybe I don't know if they would could get in financial trouble. I don't think they would. Mm. It's just a weird dynamic. It's weird. I'm guessing they make so much money off of selling booster packs. Yeah. That they don't care. Yeah. Probably. They're like, sure, do whatever you want <laughs> in the secondary market. We've made a bajillion dollars. Yeah. Literally already. make like the coolest uh, board game store in Seattle off of just selling magic cards. We don't care. Card Kingdom. Anyway, uh, Jesse, uh, how was your week? Oh, jeez. I don't know. I mean, I think the highlight of my week was probably playing Dungeons & Dragons with you guys. Pretty fun, man. I love it. You know, we've been talking, you know, we got 200 coming up here, episode 200. Mm-hmm. And one of our listeners suggested maybe doing a live D&D all-star edition. I don't edition. think that would be fun for the listeners. Well... I think I might be able to DM in a way that could be fun because I've been listening to the Harmon cast and they do play D anD D at the end of every episode, and so I don't think it's going to be the ever a campaign that we're playing because that one's pretty, I don't know, pretty serious. It's like <laughs> I'm talking a little more fun, a little right. more lighthearted. 
I'm sorry, is my D&D campaign not fun enough for you? <laughs> I'm like, how do I say this? <laughs> no, but uh, if, if anybody has any suggestions for episode 200, please uh, email them to us at personalarians at gmail.com. Jesse, what are you drinking this week? I got free beer from work uh, on deck. Mm-hmm. It's got those, like, weights on its bat. Uh-huh. It's swinging away, but right now, the man stepping up to the plate is uh, my designated hitter coffee <laughs> all right getting me all peppy there I, you I, go i was pretty tired so that I could decided be, to get myself pepped could be a performance enhancing drug for a podcast <laughs> ped baby this is like the xfl there's no rules <laughs> well i'm drinking a uh, arrogant bastard the namesake of the cast uh i went to the store decided to get a 22 instead of a six pack and this one was glaring at me so i bought it now i'm drinking it Nice. Mm-hmm. It's not too expensive. You're too cheap. <laughs> it's actually not that expensive either. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, let's get on to some listener feedback. We got a phone call this week from our good buddy over in, uh, where is he now? He's in Indiana. Uh, n- none other than the dulcet drawls of Mr. Roger Dotsie. Here he is. Hello, Jesse. Hello, Eric. Hope you guys are doing well. Jesse, I'm really glad you're back. Levi, if you're listening, I really enjoyed your two episodes, though. You were a great fill-in. Um, but, Jesse, I'm, I'm glad you're back. I'm very sorry to hear about your loss. Um, truly, sincerely am. Um, but I'm here. I wanted to ask you guys a question. First of all, there's a number of ways this podcast has changed my life. Um, and not, not, nothing too important, but I've really expanded my horizons on beer and really expanded my horizons on board games. Those are two of the big ones. Um, I don't know if you remember, but my very first voicemail was me calling in and asking about board games. It was one that Aaron was guest hosting. Um, and you guys gave some great recommendations. You ended up calling me Robert by the end of the vo- of, of the show. <laughs> and... That was all good and fun, um, but since then, and since your show, um, I have, even though my wife fought me, and it's taken over a year in some cases, now three of our favorite board games, which none of which I had even heard of before your show, are Catan, Carcassonne, and Ticket to Ride. Carcassonne, I just, I literally bought it a year and two months ago, and we just started playing a month ago, because she refused, and now she loves it. She's crazy. But, um, so just thanks for that. Oh, also, I got my friends introduced to Bang. They are, I moved to Indianapolis and they're still having Bang Nights in Louisville, which is just so cool. Um, so, like, you, I'm loving it. I'm loving the board game thing. Um, and I'm always looking for new ones. Um, and I have a bunch of recommendations from you guys that I still, uh, will be exploring. Um, I do have a question. I know you guys talk pretty highly about Board Game Geek, and um, they've got... I was just looking, just browsing the other day, and noticed that some of their top board games I had never, still haven't heard of, and I haven't heard you all talk about. So I figured I'd look at the top five and get your opinions on them. Um, Two of them I have heard you talk about. I know, Jesse, you love Agricola, and then Puerto, that's number three. Puerto Rico is number four, um, and I've heard you talk about both of those, so I'm not as interested. If you want to touch on them, you can. But numbers one, two, and five I had never heard of. Don't know anything about. I'm not even going to look at them. I just want to see 
if you've played them, if you like them, if you recommend them, if you think the board game geek people are crazy. Um, but number one is Twilight Struggle. The number one board game on the whole website is Twilight Struggle. I have never heard of that. Good? Bad? I don't know. Um, number two is Through the Ages. Haven't heard of that either. Do you like it? Have you played it? And number five is Android Netrunner. That's was released in 2012, so you might not have had a chance to play it. I don't know, but that's pretty awesome to be number five and only be released two years ago. Um, anyway, just thought that might be interesting thing for y'all to talk about, um, especially since I'm still looking for new games to play and introduce my wife and some of our friends too. So anyway, sorry this voicemail has been long. Hope you guys are doing great. It's been a while since I've called in, but I haven't had much to say and I've been busy, but I still listen every week and, you know, I just love you guys. Aww. Take care. Get off my back. Stay arrogant. Get off my back, Roger. Uh, so, yeah, the board game's there. So, Twilight Struggle, which is number one. I haven't played it, but it's a two-player game based on the Cold War. Basically, um, one person plays the Soviets, one person plays the West. And, uh, have you played that game, Jesse? No. We should make an effort of playing this. Yeah, it's just so tough. Chance it's, we get. it's only a two-player game, which... Uh, which is totally fine by me. Right. I love two-player games. I know. In fact, I, I think that... Many of the best games ever made are two-player games. Well, I, I and I don't disagree with that. I'm just saying it's kind of tough to get two people to play a game if you're not married. Because if I if I get together for like a game night, it's going to be more than two people. Right? No, that's yeah. I don't know. I I feel like it, that's kind of a weird excuse. Yeah, that's true. Too. I mean, it's, it's really to be hard to find a whole two people to play a game. Well, that's true. And I mean, we have played Netrunner, and that's a two-person game as well. So. Right. No, um, I really want to play Twilight Struggle. That's mm-hmm. one of those things that have been... It's been on my radar for a long time of games that I really want to play. And it's one that I've actually, like... I've, like, gotten a little buzzed and gone online and been like... Yep. I, bet I can get Tasha to play this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's also... It's <laughs> but also... then it's, like... It's a hardcore two-player game about the Cold War. And yeah. I'm like... I probably could not get touched in one of It's just tough, too, because, like, it is, like, a $50 game. So, and I, I don't like harping on that fact because I tend to put a lot more hours into board games than I do in the video games. So your cost per play is pretty low. Um, but if I'm going to spend $50 on a game, I'm probably going to be looking for something that plays more than two players. So, it's tough. I, I, uh, I totally disagree with your assessment of... <laughs> the value of a two-player game. I think a two-player game makes it even more, in my opinion, makes it even more valuable than a game that's like three to four players. I'm going to play a game that's two players only. I'm going to play that game way more. Yeah. Way more. Games I play a lot. Blockus, two-player. Hive. Magic the Gathering. Chess. Like, those are some of my all-time favorite games. Right. And I find it much easier to find a two-player game than a game like for example, I actually have managed to finagle a five-person group to play Axis and Allies this Memorial Day weekend, and it's like an mm. event. It's like that is an it's, event. It's like an ecl- I, I'd say it's like an eclipse, but eclipses happen more often than me <laughs> able to, being able to get five people together to play Axis and Allies. I agree. <laughs> so I think that the fact that it's a two-player game is awesome. Yeah, that's true. I, I, yeah, I think we should get, make some. I mean, we can always check it out at PAX and play it there. 
Yeah, I would love um, to play it at PAX. Um, Through the Ages is a Civ building game. That's kind of all I know about it. I know that it's Want gotten... to play? Yeah. No, it's gotten some... great things. Yeah, yeah, it's basically what... It's supposed to give you, like, kind of the civilization experience, Sid Meier civilization experience. There is Sid Meier civilization, the board game, but apparently this does a better job, so... Yeah. Um, so I do want to play that. I haven't played that. But we have played Android Netrunner a little bit. We played it at the last PAX. Did not like that game at all. Yeah, I mean, I, the people who love it really love it. And, you know, it did come out in 2012, but that's a bit of a um, misconception there because it was actually released in the 90s as a collectible card game. Um, and then it fizzled out. It was It's a collectible card game that was created by Richard Garfield, who's the guy who created Magic the Gathering. Um, and he... So the the collectible card game kind of fizzled out. Fantasy Flight in 2012 decided to reprint it as a living card game, which means that you buy all of the cards at once. You're not trading the cards. You don't get random cards. You just get all the cards at every set whenever you buy them. So that, you know what you're buying. Exactly. You know what you're buying. And then you build the decks based off of that. So it's, it is a new game, but it's also an old game. I just... I don't know. I I played it and it was really complicated mm-hmm. and not like good complicated like Agricola where I can kind of sit back and like see the machinery and be like, okay, this is going to be fun and I'm yeah. excited next time I play to be able to do this. Instead, it was like, this is just kind of a bunch of shit going on and <laughs> I don't feel like I have a ton of agency over what's going on. And at the end of the day, you're, you're drawing cards. Like, hope yeah. I get the good one. Well... Yeah, but there's also a whole community that's built up around it, and I think that, I mean, we didn't play that much of it. I mean, I think it might be the type of thing you really need to sink your teeth into and maybe uh, have some people kind of guide you through it, because apparently people get really into it, and there's like Netrunner groups, and one of the things that makes it really appealing is it's an asymmetrical game, so to the two players are playing two completely different games um, to try to they're, they're driving toward two completely different victory conditions. So that's one thing that makes it appealing for some people. So I yeah. don't know. Um, but... I just got, I got like zero joy out of it. And I was like, <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm done playing this. <laughs> uh, but one of the, you know, a couple games that are uh, out now that I really want to get my hands on, but I can't because I promised myself I will not buy any new games until I played all the games that I own. I still have three games that I need to play. Um, but, uh, Steam Park is a game that has come out that's apparently really good, um, and it's a very good intro board game, but also has a lot of strategic elements. Um, so that's a game that I really want to get. Um, and then another one, just for lighter fare, is Rampage, which is a monster game where you knock down cities. Uh, and I just want to have it because I'm hoping I can su- supplant my Monsters Menace America <laughs> figurines with it. Because Monsters <laughs> Menace America is such a bad game. But it has really cool figurines. Uh, you were so about that game for a minute. I, I still have a very warm place in my heart for Monsters Menace America. Uh, it just... It was good, but then they were like, oh, we don't know how to finish this game. Yeah. Let's introduce a mechanic <laughs> that's terrible. Yeah, just to end it. That that has completely almost nothing to do with the rest of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so this, uh, let us know some board games you're playing. Also, another thing, uh, Bang Night in Louisville, another nerd thing that could be completely misconstrued. (laughs) (laughs) Very much like Dungeon Master Guide. Don't forget to bring your Dungeon Master Guide to the Bang Night in Louisville. (laughs) Exactly. And maybe the Player's Handbook, if you know, kind of get freaky. (laughs) 
Uh, we also got an email from Levi Reek and the other Levi. Uh, he sent us a bunch of stuff, so I'm just going to uh, give you the highlights here. First off, uh, he has entered this awesome Lego creation to Comic Palooza in Houston, and it's, it's a uh, Back to the Future inspired thing. I think it's awesome. I think I'm going to steal a picture of it from his Flickr page and put it up on the the PA Facebook page so people can see it. It is really cool. Um, also, he he says there are two shows about Vietnam, which we were talking about last week. There are no shows about Vietnam, but they were both from the late '80s. One was China Beach, and the other one was. I'm pretty cool. sure China is not in Vietnam. I'm not a geography major, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I think China is a different country. Yeah, I'm not sure. It might be a. It might be like a county in Vietnam, actually. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is called uh, Tour of Duty. Mm. I just love that video game. I, the thing about the du- the Call of Duty video games and the Tour of Duty and all of this duty stuff is that I kind of giggle every time I hear the word duty, and I think that's one of the things that I don't why I don't like Call of Duty. What about your civic duty? <laughs> good, good stuff. Still funny mm. uh, to me, anyway. Uh, speaking of which, apparently there's also a Vietnam comic called The Nam. So. Uh, uh, that's 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 there, and then finally, he's got a suggestion for uh flipping over quesadillas. I was talking about quesadillas, but I think I have it nailed here, guys. You pre-melt the cheese in the microwave for twenty seconds, and then you make your quesadilla. You don't have to worry about the flip because everything's already melted. You just have to worry about toasting the outside. Um, so anyway, uh, Levi, uh, hopefully we can get that Levi bracket together. It's a very just, difficult yeah. bracket. Uh, yeah. What? The, the whole like micro, you're what? It's weird. The it's what? who has a hard time cooking a freaking quesadilla? I it's always, the easiest thing ever to do ever. I always burn the shit out of the. You, you're prettiest. putting the heat on too high. That is it. That is a hundred percent it. Well, what the, what heat setting do you put it on? Like four. And you're cooking it in the cast iron. Yeah. Try like. On my put it to four until the cast iron gets hot, and then take it down to like two, and just like put it in there with the cheese oh, and stuff. Man, Flip it, and then you're done. You're all about slow and low. Slow and low is where de- deliciousness happens. <laughs> this is the name of Jesse's uh, food truck. I, it's rule number one in the Dungeon Master Guide. <laughs> I think that this is your food truck, and it, it's like a low rider food truck. It's called slow, slow and, low. and low. There's just. Uh, 10,000 cars behind me honking <laughs> as I go five miles an hour down. Yeah, the, the food truck is just on five. the street. And you just walk, go at like two miles an hour so people have to walk with you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jesse. That's our feedback for this week. If you have feedback for us, please send it to us, personalarrogance at gmail.com. Or you can always give us a call and leave us a voicemail at 360-362-0024. So please do that. Uh, now it's time for a little tiny mat roll off. So we're each going to roll 20 sided dice. So you get to talk first on the podcast this week. And here we go. Oh, roll a 13. Natural 20. Oh. Critical Bummer. threat. Do I hit? Oh, 19. This is exactly what happened in the game last night. Wow. Yeah, you were rolling on fire. Literally, you were casting a fire spell. It was awesome. I cast a, I cast a scorching ray and literally blew up a spider. I felt pretty impotent. I, like, couldn't scratch you guys. And then I was trying to bait you guys into fights. And you're like, no. We're not going to fight these dweebs. 
Well, yeah, but you pre you pre said that with uh, anybody you fight can kill you, and so I we're like, okay, we won't fight you know. anybody. <laughs> I'm not just gonna like kill you and be like, oh, by the way, yeah, I get it. We do have a cleric of the sun order, or whatever it is. You nailed it. Yeah, dog. I'm very excited about this campaign. And I love my little wizard guy coming into his own. He literally killed his first thing that he's ever killed. Oh. That was well, his, that spider was like the first thing he's ever killed in his life. <laughs> You're going to be killing a lot more stuff really soon. God damn it. Thrown into war. This is a wonderful D&D campaign. Uh, anyway, I guess I won, didn't I? You did. Okay, that means this week we're going to talk about movies. Do you know what nemesis means? Okay, Jesse, so I actually saw a movie on opening weekend this past weekend. Was it Gojira? No, it was actually uh, Justin Bieber in Three Dizzle. Nice sizzle. <laughs> no, it was Godzilla. Oh. Uh, and uh, I just want to talk to you about it and give you my thoughts on this movie. Uh, cool. So I guess the first question I have to ask you is, are you going to see this movie and do you care about spoilers? I what? I don't really care about spoilers because it's a Godzilla movie. Right. Um, but uh, to answer your primary question, I think... I'm going to burn my, like, once every six months I go see a movie. I think mm. I'm going to do it for this one. Cool, man. That gives the me The last gauge. movie I saw was Gravity. Before that, Prometheus. Wow. No, you saw the Lego movie, dude. Oh, I forgot about the Lego movie. Everything's awesome. Um, Everything's Godzilla. Everything's Godzilla. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I'm going to put this on a five on the spoiler scale. Okay. So I think everybody should be comfortable with this. I'm just going to be my general thoughts about it because I've basically seen the the first three blockbusters of the summer so far. So I've seen Captain America, I've seen The Amazing Spider-Man 2, and I've seen Godzilla. Mm-hmm. And as much as people really like Captain America, I'm going to have to say that Godzilla is hands down the best movie of the summer so far. I've been hearing good stuff about it. Now, there's a couple things that you need to know. I think that might be helpful going into it. Okay. Okay. Um, one thing that I really love, and I watched Pacific Rim right before I watched Godzilla, because it just happened to be on HBO. Um, so, uh, I, I, uh, uh, one of the things is, is like in Pacific Rim, people have a very direct, um, very direct impact on the giant monsters. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like these are going to... The, it's going to be people fighting monsters. That's what that's what Pacific Rim is all about. Godzilla is not about that at all. Because while people try to fight monsters, um, it's not going to work out well for the people. Right. And so that's one of the things that I really like about this movie. Is it, it makes a hero out of Godzilla, but he's like a passive hero. That's what I've heard, because yeah. there's a uh, spoiler alert. Some other monsters might be showing up. There, There just might be some other monsters showing up. Which I really like, too. Um, I don't want to spoil the... Okay, so there are other monsters in this. <laughs> but that shouldn't come to any surprise to people, because I feel like this is really loyal to Godzilla movies from Japan. Because it's about Godzilla being a hero, like a passive hero. And it's about him fighting other monsters and saving the city from these terrible things. Right. He was sort of a 
He was sort of a guardian monster. Right, yeah. If I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. So there are... This is a very character-driven story, and I think that this is where... Um, and this is where I've heard some points of contention come from Godzilla, is that it's very person-focused. It's very... It really focuses around, like, this one dude. Uh-huh. And... Brian Cranston. Well, Brian Cranston is not the dude that it's completely focused on. <laughs> um, but a lot of people are like, I don't care about this character. He's not very well developed. Uh, blah, blah, blah. I felt like he was pretty well developed. I feel like he has a pretty strong motivation to take down these monsters. Is he a halfling wizard? He is almost, he should, he could be a halfling wizard. It's the guy who plays the main character in Kickass. Um, oh, really? Yeah. But he's like a demolitions expert. Uh, and also really great location stuff. Like they have like, uh, you know, the coast of Japan, they have, uh, Hawaii, which I really loved like Honolulu. They have Las Vegas and they have San Francisco. And if you're talking about destruction movies, this is what you want. You want destruction in, in these cool big cities that, uh, that isn't New York basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so right. I I really like all this stuff. I love the origins of the store of the monsters. I feel like they did a really good job with that. Um, I feel like they opened it up to some mystery. It does concern me about Godzilla too, but really I shouldn't concern myself with that right now because I should. This is like one movie. I don't have to worry about the sequel. That's Hollywood's job. Um, but it is very human focused. Okay, and this almost became a point of contention for me about halfway through the movie. Because there are a lot of really cool set pieces of, like, giant monsters ready to fight each other. And then right before it all goes down, you, like, cut to, like, human stuff. Uh, that that's a pain. And then it builds up, and then the monsters are back, and then they're about to break down, and then tsk, human stuff. Mm. But I think that this is actually a really effective device in this movie. Because... You do get the payoff. You will see monsters fighting monsters. And I think that one of the things that modern CGI has done to movies is made it very boring to watch giant monster battles. You know, there's like the Revenge of the, or the, yeah, Revenge of the Titans and, and Clash of the Titans movies. I didn't see either of those movies because I know what CGI monsters fighting each other look like. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really need to go into that. Um, Pacific Rim did a really good job of these giant monster battles, but they did a good job because they centered around humans controlling stuff, and there was a lot of human interaction with those. Uh, so they gave us something we hadn't seen before. But, like, giant CGA monsters fighting giant CGA monsters, we've seen that a million times. And I think if they centered the movie around that, uh, it wouldn't be as effective. But you do get the payoff, and by the time you get that payoff, you want it so bad... That the payoff itself is is epic and huge, and it it's almost like they just tease you throughout the entire movie, and at the end they're like, okay, here you go. And then you're just like, oh my god, this is amazing. So I think that they found a way to effectively pull off that giant monster battle, that giant CGA monster battle thing. Um, so uh, overall, I think that this was a, a very effective movie. Um, I don't really love the characters that much in it, and I didn't really love the dialogue that much in it. But it really reminded me of Pacific Rim because uh, in both of those movies, there was kind of bad acting, kind of cheesy dialogue, 
uh, and kind of uh, movie tropes wrapped around this monster battle thing, but they pull it off in a way that, like I compared Pacific Rim to in a Star Wars-esque way, Star Wars has very cheesy dialogue, pretty bad actors, but they're able to put it around this epic thing. They're able to glue it around this epic framework that makes it all work together, and I feel like Godzilla falls right in line with Pacific Rim that way. So, I'm well, is there anything you're looking forward to in the next one? <sighs> well, I kind of just love giant monsters, dude. We talked earlier about Monsters Menace America, which is right. a terrible board game made by Avalon Hill, which I have, which I love. Like, I love this board game because the monsters are so cool. And like I said before, I love to see them destroy cities that aren't like New York. Like a monster plowing through Las Vegas is a very cool thing to me. Mm-hmm. Look out, Akron, Ohio. Well, I'm just waiting, dude. I mean, we're talking about Pacific Rim here, right? Pacific Rim places? Seattle's uh-huh. wide open, guys. And we got the Space Needle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of those iconic things that love to be destroyed in movies. Space Needle's yeah. way up there. I was just thinking about how many freaking times the Golden Gate Bridge has been ripped down in movies. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. come on. Uh but it, like like I said in this movie like they're able to destroy San Francisco in a way that's uh that I feel like hasn't been really done before. So um <laughs> but yeah, I mean Seattle's ready to go. I just Well, well Port Townsend. I mean we got go. the historic Manorisa Castle. I think it'd be awesome if they had to like stage in Fort Warden because like that all the military bases got destroyed. That's the other thing in this movie. This is a minor spoiler, but in this movie uh, they the monsters love to eat radiation, so they like go where nuclear power plants are and where nuclear bombs are to mm. consume the radiation. Uh, largest stockpile of nuclear weapons, Banger Base in Washington State. Yeah, yeah, baby, that's like Godzilla food. That is Godzilla food. So he puts it in a big bowl and like pours his milk. <laughs> no, he just uses the Puget Sound. He like just uses his atomic breath to heat up the to Puget heat up, Sound. Heat it up. Yeah, mm. boil it. Yeah, um, <laughs> yummy. It's but, like ah, Dungeness crabs. Yuck! Get out of my nuclear <laughs> submarine broth. That, I mean, that is the major question for the second one: is that who are the bad guys going to be? Because in traditionally in Godzilla movies, he fights against another giant monster. So in this movie, they, I feel like they do a really nice job of you know. Pushing the, uh, pushing forward a completely unbelievable plot of giant, crazy monsters coming out and fighting each other. They do a nice job of framing that up, but I don't know how they're going to f- be like, oh, and by the way, now there's some new giant monsters. That's going to be well, the major challenge. Well, that's just what they'd say. <laughs> okay. Also, there's this new giant monster. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's, what's hard about that? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I really, uh, I'm really excited for... I'm actually really excited for the next one, but I, I really like Godzilla, and I got to see it at Cinerama here in Seattle in 3D, and Cinerama is like the best place to watch movies, especially at opening day, because people fucking clap. Like, the first time they do a shot of Godzilla, it's kind of like this epic reveal of his face, and then he like roars, and when he did that, everybody just burst out in applause. In the theater. Like, it was a very fun movie experience. So. And you're into that when people do the, like, clapping at theaters? This, Cinerama is different, though, because it's, like, so big. It's almost like a stage theater. Mm. And so, when it's that big, and you're there, and it's packed with people, and the applause rings out throughout the crowd, I felt like that was really fun. 
And Humans then, are definitely the weirdest animal ever. Yeah. Oh yeah, clapping is the strangest thing that a, that, that we a pack does. ourselves into this theater and then project through light onto a a screen like a monster face, and we all go. Ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a weird thing to participate in. It's super weird, dude. I, Dan Harmon actually had a great um, analogy here. He's like, you know. We were like explorers, and we like explored and explored and explored, and then once the whole world was discovered, we just created little boxes that project images, and that's now what we—that's now what we uh, fill our time with because there's nothing left to explore. You know, except the ocean. Yeah, but, where Godzilla lives. Yeah. Well, that's like, why James Cam- James Cameron burned out his dopamine receptors on yep. watching too many movies, yep. and he's like, "I got to go to the Mariana Trench." <laughs> <laughs> yeah so anyway i'm gonna give this one a thumbs up i liked godzilla i walked out of the theater very um happy and like i said it's got my that, favorite you got that movie buzz yeah it's my favorite blockbuster of the of the of the summer so far now cinerama that's one of those places where you can buy beer no oh no no i thought you could no what am I thinking of? That place in Shoreline? Cinnabar? Oh. Yeah. That's different. But Cinerama does have very reasonable prices because Paul Allen owns the building, and uh, so popcorn is like $4 instead of like 9 That's crazy. Yeah. What doesn't Paul Allen own? Paul Allen is like the great... So Lydia and I were just sitting in Cinerama talking about how wonderful Paul Allen is. <laughs> he owns the Seahawks. He owns Cinerama. He owns EMP, and like that's the cool thing about him is that like he owns so much movie memorabilia that at Cinerama they always have like costumes from movies that you can just go take your picture next to, and so they had the picture they had a costume that uh, looked exactly like something you would wear. They had the dude's costume from The Big Lebowski. Yeah, I have that same sweater. Yeah, I I thought you were like I have a sweater like that sweater. No, what? I have I have. Yeah, one that's kind of like it, and then I have one that is that one. Yeah, it's the exact same sweater. Yeah, I was appalled. I was like, "Oh my god, that is Jesse's sweater!" <laughs> I didn't realize that it was so spot on. And you didn't buy that like because it was the dude's sweater. No, I bought it at Goodwill. Mm. It was fifteen dollars, and I was like, "Ooh, that's spendy," but I like it. But I think part of me like. Somewhere in my brain, I knew that it was the dude sweater, and then I was like, I rewatched the Big Lebowski, and I was like, "Wait a minute, that is exact. That is the exact same sweater. <laughs> That's not like it. That is it." Yeah, but yours. I mean, yours is like a real wool sweater, right? It's not like some costume replica. No, it's like a total legit sweater. Yeah, like I, I have speculation, Jesse, that you have one of the sweaters from the set of the Big Lebowski. It's like that when people find fantastic. like a Jackson Pollock uh, painting in like the middle of Nebraska at a thrift shop. You found <laughs> one of the Big Lebowski sweaters. Uh, yeah, it's possible. Uh, a few years ago, when I was living in Seattle and I had shoulder length hair, yeah, for Halloween, I just wore that and put on pajama pants. <laughs> and I was working with Tasha at the time, and she had a bowling ball bag, so I just took the bowling ball bag. Uh huh. And, like, my cheap sunglasses, and I was the dude. Yeah. And a lot of people really liked that costume. <laughs> and it was actually just, like, an amalgamation of stuff I always wear. Exactly. 
It's just a combination. Yeah, well, you don't have the jelly sandals. No, that's true. From the waist down, be- <laughs> below the uh, pajama pants, I'm I'm done. Right. <laughs> All right, so that's my recommendation. Go see Godzilla. It's it's pretty good, and uh, they do a good job with it. I think it's a tough thing to do a good job with, and they did a really really bang up job with a with a property that only has like twenty seven movies in its franchise. <laughs> so I, I I recommend it. That's got my Eric stamp of approval. Uh, Jesse, what's your first topo this week? Cool. Well, speaking of nightmare hellscape situations, I want to talk about a nightmare that happened in our favorite forgettable state of Delaware in a segment that I call Animal News. Animal News! Woo! Oh, God. I was trying to do an animal uh, sound, but... You went Murloc again. I went straight Murloc. Here, let me try something else. Uh, That's a pigeon. That's pretty good. Yeah. So in Delaware, (laughs) um, a truck, a a semi-truck tipped over and it spilled 20 million bees on the highway. (laughs) You say bees or beads? Bees. Bees. Like buzz buzz sting you make honey bees. I'm like, either way, this is crazy. <laughs> like, beads could cause an amazing traffic accident. <laughs> That's like a James Bond thing. <laughs> Actually, they both kind of are. Yeah. Imagine if James Bond, like, he's driving the cool Aston Martin or whatever, hits a button and it just drops a bunch of beehives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That'd be pretty sweet. So the truck was hauling 460 beehives from Florida to Maine. When it crashed on Interstate 95 on-ramp near Newark, Delaware, oh, God. according to local police. The crash happened when the truck failed to completely negotiate a turn, which is a fun expression to me. <laughs> <I know. laughs> it failed to completely negotiate. Negotiations broke down. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the truck is Palestine and the corner is Israel. The, uh, and Jimmy Carter just couldn't quite get us to an agreement on this one. The turn had a hard line. <laughs> Negotiations broke down and we were... <laughs> unfortunately, 20 million bees were released from the good state of Delaware. Oh, God. <laughs> so the swarm of bees was so thick, police couldn't even get close to the truck for almost an hour. Wow. Which is pretty great. I love this image of just like the cops. The cops are doing their cop thing where they have the <laughs> where they have the car door open and they're kind of taking shelter behind it. I, that's got to be like the laziest tactical maneuver ever. Like, all right, we're here. Uh, uh-huh. I do need some shelter so that I don't get shot at. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna open the door and kind of hide behind it. Yeah, and the thing about that, too, is that bullets, like, go through doors. Like, a car door ain't gonna stop a bullet. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. Like, I wonder... No, they wouldn't be... Well, they cop could cars, be. Like, I mean, armor-plated? Well, that's... No. I, no, I don't think so. I mean, because you can, like, it. buy cop cars after they're done. You can buy them yeah. police options. Like, president's car? Yeah, armor-plated. Uh, Delaware State Police? Probably not. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love, but they like can't get to it for an hour, so the poor truck driver is like, "Yeah, what's his what's his deal? Did he get out, or is he just trapped in, in this cloud of bees, the fog so, of bees?" Apparently, three men suffered between fifty to hundred bee stings each and were hospitalized. The driver also suffered a minor arm injury. <laughs> I would call a bee sting a minor arm injury. Yeah. yeah. Have uh, what kind of bee sting history do you have? Because I'm as I'm interacting with more and more people in the world, I'm finding out that I have a ridiculously lengthy history of bee stings. <laughs> yeah, I I got stung once when I was a child on the back of the neck, and then I was at a family gathering a couple of years ago. It was like right after I got out of college. You can just say the gathering of. Ju- Juggalos. Yes, I was at the gathering of the Juggalos, and I got stung on the hand, and I didn't really hurt that much, and I just carried on my way. Okay. I, I feel like I'm pretty impervious to bee stings. I've, stop, I've stepped on bee hives twice. <laughs> uh, one time when I was a kid, I was like rolling around with my buddy in the woods behind my parents' house. I I'd stepped on this beehive that was in like a pile of logs? <laughs> I'm sorry. This is not funny. It's just weird. The way you're saying it makes No, it is funny. It's okay. like weird and funny. And I got stung. <laughs> I got stung probably over 30 times that day. Nice. And like, uh, it was in that, like the creek ravine. And I had to like claw, I had to like climb up the hill that was like covered in total forested vegetation, Pacific Northwest style. Uh-huh. And, like, my mom had to, like, pull all the, the stingers out of my skin. Yeah. And I, I remember, I still have the scar to this day on my right hand, on my pointer finger. I have a scar from one of the bees that had, like, got its barbs stuck and, like, tried to keep flying and it, like, tore my finger open. Holy crap! Yeah, and I remember, like, I couldn't even notice it because I had so many stings. <laughs> But later, I could see it. It was still there, and it was like, it was just a torso, right? Because the bee had torn itself in half. Oh, my God. And it was, like, pulsating. Like, the butt of it was, like, still (laughs) pumping venom into me. I'm like, what the hell? (laughs) So that was cool. That was, like, the second time. Another Uh time I got stung, like, five or ten times on my left hand, and it's my whole hand like swole up like three times normal size. Nice. That was cool. Mm-hmm. And probably my greatest bee sting story is actually a wasp. Ugh. Um, I went, I, I was, I don't know. I was maybe 12 and I'm all tuckered out. I remember my cousin Coley was over and I wanted to hang out with him. He was staying up late and my parents were like, you gotta go to bed. <laughs> and, uh, I go, I go to sleep, go Betty bye. I have this dream that my sister is hitting me in the leg with basketballs. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I wake up, and uh, I, like, go out all bleary-eyed into the living room. I'm like, uh, something's wrong. And they're like, go back to bed. You're faking it. You just want to stay up with Coley. I was like, look at my leg. <laughs> and my leg's all swollen. <laughs> and I gotten stung seven times. Wow. Before I woke up. With by a wasp, by a single wasp, it was in my bed, and it just Holy like shit. went down my leg, and it continued to sting me. What is a wasp's problem, dude? 
they're whilst we're just assholes. Yeah, just chill out for like five seconds, man. They don't. They don't. They never chill out. They just uh. want to kill constantly. And like the humble bee, I got mad respect for bees. All right. Yeah. They make honey. Mm-hmm. It's the only non-perishable food on Earth, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, they pollinate. Like they're doing crazy. their thing. They're pollinating. And if they decide that they're gonna sting, that's a death sentence. They're like the kamikaze pilots of the animal kingdom. Right. So they don't they don't take that shit lightly. Right. But wasps, they don't do anything and they bite and then they sting and they don't have a barbed stinger. They're like, I'm just gonna sting you infinity times. No big deal. <laughs> yeah. I'm a stupid yellow jacket. <laughs> <laughs> well, technically they are like the more evolved bees. Yeah, I know. They evolved into bigger assholes. Yeah, exactly. So They're basically uh, like the this... Sparta of bees. Like <laughs> bees are like Athens the, and wasps are Sparta. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Like they like, have wasps are gonna hold off the Persian Empire. Right. But the but the bees are like, okay, let's have a nice society here. They're let's, creating the fine art. Let's the, el- uh, let's elect pieces. Yeah, they they're creating fine fine hexagonical art. They're they're producing wonderful products, they're electing leaders. Like, yeah, they are the Athenians of the animal kingdom, and wasps are the Spartans. They're like if Spartans had a bastard love child with a, <laughs> I, I don't even know what, like, mm-hmm. but back to Delaware. So what's interesting about this is that the police had a plan in place. They had a pre-existing scenario contingency plan called the Bee Swarm Removal Procedure. <laughs> And it included a list of experts to call who later showed up. Code black and yellow, black and yellow, black and yellow, (laughs) black and yellow. So the experts recommended spraying the bees down instead of wrangling them back up. As though that's even... (laughs) Don't try wrangling them. They're not cattle. You think hurting cats is hard. (laughs) That's that's like the tiniest lasso ever. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess I just, just imagine I imagine tiny cowboys riding horse flies with lassos. <laughs> All right, we've got this backup. Jenkins, get in the deatomizer. We're shrieking you down, magic school bus style. Take this tiny lasso and start wrangling up twenty million bees. Oh, you got a bus. So I guess they just sprayed them all down and then yeah. uh, called in the experts. And I guess the beekeepers that they called in. They're like, just keep the, keep them. The beekeepers got to keep the bees. <laughs> what? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So I guess they were like, it's like, come in, work for free. <laughs> you mm-hmm. get to keep every bee you take. Well, I imagine they just smoked them down. Yeah, probably. Smoke them down. It's so weird. They just brought in all of the uh, all of the characters from Jackass. And put like a pheromone on them, and then they covered them with bees, and then put them in a van and drove away with them. Like a guy showed up, is like free bee beard. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Hi, I'm Jackass, and this is the Delaware Turnpike. (laughs) I'm Johnny Knoxville. I I actually just drove in from Knoxville. This stunt is called free beer beer beard. Bong bling bling. Oh, man. So that's animal news. Love it, dude. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's move on to some trivia. We're going to be doing Genus 1 of Trivial Pursuit this week. I'm going to be rolling a six-sided dice, see which category we do. And where is my dice roller? Here it is. 
Okay, we're gonna be rolling. Dice roller. It's two. It's entertainment, Jesse. You want to give it a give it a try? I pass. Okay, we're gonna pass. I failed to negotiate that turn. It is three. It is history, and Jesse has a bachelor's degree in history. Eric has a bachelor's degree in communication. That's true. You should say, you should do that every time I stutter. <laughs> uh, no, that wouldn't be fair. Uh, just a quick aside: mm-hmm. when I was playing D and D last night, I realized how shitty I am at reading my own handwriting. <laughs> There were several times I was like, what the fuck is that word? That's not even close to being real letters. <laughs> yeah, that's why I write everything in Google Docs. Yeah, no, that's a good plan. All right, Jesse, this question's for you. Please play along at home. Who laid the cornerstone of the U.S. Capitol? I'll give that one to old... Would he be alive? Ah, sure, Benny J. Benny F. Benny I mean, Franklin? Yeah. I'm going to give it to Jackson. Yeah, George Washington. Oh, that's a little on the nose. Yeah. Dark horsefly. Um, Jesse, this question for me. What king boycotted Prince Charles' wedding? Prince Charles? Char- uh, uh, Henry it's for, it's for me. It's for oh. me. It's for me. Prince Charles' wedding. I'm going to go with uh, King George Third. I'll say Henry VIII. Uh... Juan Carlos of Spain. Well, he was an asshole. He was an asshole. I like how we've also both picked people who were, were alive hundreds of years before <laughs> Prince Charles' wedding. Uh, to Diana. Anyway. Just, oh, that yeah. Prince Charles. That Prince. That Prince. Prince Charles the first. Oh. oh. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Jesse, this question for you: What was John F. Kennedy's 1960 campaign song? The song. Yeah. Smells like teen uh, incumbents. See, I'm gonna go I with have ha- no idea. I'm going to go with Happy Birthday, Mr. President. <laughs> High hopes. You're geographically closer. <laughs> At least alphabetically closer. This question's for me. You need the steal to, to win. I need the answer to win. The question is, what was Winston Churchill's wife's name? I'm going to go with Nancy. Uh <laughs> I didn't even know he was married. I'll go with uh, what's a good British name? Margaret. Clementine. Old Clementine Churchill. That's not wow. That's a that's a good name. Her friends called her Cece. Is it too late for me to rename my daughter? <laughs> All right, Jesse. That means we uh, both suck this week, and the, we got to move on to a geography tiebreaker to see who wins. Whoever's geographically closest to the answer will take trivia this week. Uh, here is the question, Jesse. You answer first. What country includes North Island, South Island, Stewart, and Chatham Islands? It's got to be NZ. I believe you are correct. I'm going to go with the Philippines. It is New Zealand. Sorry, I thought I was still, I was like, I was still reading history. It was Parkland Hospital, Dallas. <laughs> Uh, you win everything this week. Oh, no, you don't. I won the roll off, didn't I? You did. Well, nice job pulling it out. We are tied for the week. And my second topic this week is having to do with packs. The exposition of Penny Arcades. So this this is going to be Penny Arcade, but it's also going to be about human psychology. And particularly oh. nerd psychology, Jesse. Uh-oh. Psycho nerds. Yeah. So uh, people... 
probably aren't following this very closely, but usually PAX tickets go on sale mid-April. And uh, in the recent memory, they've gone until a couple weeks after PAX East takes place. Uh, but to this date, PAX tickets have not gone on sale yet, and if you haven't checked your calendar, it is late May. This is causing a lot of people to lose their freaking minds. Panic is setting it. Yeah, and I don't really understand it that much, but there is a reason why I don't really have to understand it that much, Jesse. Okay. A couple months ago, I was on Penny Arcade's website. I really like Penny Arcade. I read the comic. I listen to the podcast. I watch Penny Arcade TV. I noticed that they had done something new. It was something called Club PA. It's just like a way to basically give either $10 or $30. Depending on how much you give, you get certain perks. If you give $10, you get like the podcast and the comic and the PA TV articles a few days early. But you also get to support Penny Arcade, and I like to support Penny Arcade. Uh, they're, they're a media source that I enjoy, and just like the public TV model, I, I like to go by that um, assertion that if you listen, why don't you throw a, sh- a few shekels their way? So I gave them my $10. Um, they also said there would be some other perks for Penny Arcade uh, PA Club members. Um, and one of those perks came to fruition this week when on Monday I got an email that said it was top secret that uh, Club PA members are going to be able to have early access to PAX 4-Day badges. So they Holy gave me a code. Shit. And I bought my four-day badge. They had it, it, they had it all set up so you could only buy one badge per code, and you have to go pick up the badge at PAX, so you can't get it mailed to you and eBay it to somebody else. Basically, you got to go pick it up, show your ID, pick it up, and then go to the con. Um. So anyway, I have my four-day badge. Now they also put in the email: do not tell anybody else about this because we want to do this for other. Events, we, we're not going to do it for PAX South, but we're looking at doing it for PAX East. So I kept my words. I kept my, my mouth shut. I noticed on the Reddit boards and on the um, forum posts, nobody was really posting anything about it. I was like, wow, Club PA, we're doing a good job. Then yesterday, the shitstorm blows up, and uh, somebody decides, oh, I got to post this email to everybody. Mm-hmm. And, you know, needless to say, people are already losing their minds because PAX badges are a month late. Uh, and they're just waiting for those things to go on sale so they can snatch them up. Um, and there was a little bit of outrage about this. I just want to get your honest opinion about this. How do you feel about Club PA members getting PAX badges, basically? Uh, I'm fine with it. Yeah. I mean, why? I mean, why would I be upset by it? So the main things that people are upset about, even the people who acknowledge that they're not mad that PA members, Club PA members got the tickets. And you still have to pay. I still paid $110 for the ticket. It's not like I got right. it for free. Um, but, uh, one of the things is that they were saying they shouldn't try to keep it so secretive. Like they should let people know that this is a perk of being in club PA. And that's well, not really no, see be- at all. Because then, then essentially now you ha- if you want a Panera Kate Expo ticket, you have to be club PA and spend a little bit extra and right. then buy your ticket because that's how people are going to do it. Right. And the, and the other part about that is... We've talked about this before. I would say a huge number of people who go to PAX don't even know what Penny Arcade is. And, like, yeah, Penny Arcade yeah. is the thing that started this whole thing. It's just a nice little independent media site, basically. They started with the webcomic. Now they have podcasts. They have, like, uh, little TV episodes that they put together. Um, 
But this is, like I said before, it's it's like part of like a public television pledge or a um or a no, public. No, it's a reward, pledge. man. You know what it is? Is <clears throat> they they're rewarding people who took the initiative and were like, "I'm going to support this product that I believe in." Right. Regardless of what the perks are, exactly. and then they were like, "Okay, you guys are cool for doing that, and we're going to give you this little bonus." Yeah, and, and and you deserve that for being someone who, you know, it's not like they're not trying to sell Club PA by right. being like, "This is a PAX pre-order ticket system." Right. They're just trying to kick you a little bit of a favor for being a a, a supporter. Exactly. Like. Yeah, exactly. And nobody signed up for Club PA thinking, oh, I'm going to get early access to PAX tickets. This is just an added perk for for saying, hey, thanks for supporting us. We're going to give you this little perk. Yeah, cool. no, that's rad. I, I just think people are freaking out. And, and honestly, the person who broke this news is a person who is pretty prevalent in the PAX community. Weird. Um, and he basically said that he thought that it was shady the way that they were doing it and so he wanted to make it public uh which also meant that now they're never going to do it again yeah no now the the cat's out of the bag so it's it's going to be game over yeah because otherwise packs would sell out before it even began (laughs) before tickets even go on sale because everybody (laughs) would just become pa yeah that's why i'm saying this thing would just become a packs ticket pre-sale right which is not thing. what it's about. And frankly, I'm okay with I'm okay with it never happening again because I did not become a club PA member to get early access to PAX tickets. It's just an awesome perk that happens. There's nothing for me wrong this year. with rewarding your most loyal support. Yeah. And like, guys, this is like a whole like Penny Arcade is like kind of a whole thing. Like PAX is this one aspect of Penny Arcade. Right. Um so we're just people who like the whole thing and we decided to support it and we got early access. But oh, I wanted- good for you. I'm glad that you could do that because yeah. I know it's a buying Paxic is a stressful experience. Yeah, and I'm just wondering, you know, I was talking to somebody at work about this today because I know that he really likes to go to Pax and he's like, God, Pax tickets still not on sale yet. And I'm like, Yeah. But fact of the matter is, dude, like I'm not that worried about Pax. Even if I didn't get my Pax badge, and you know, we we will probably get media badges to Pax as well. But, um, but like, I'm not that worried about it. (laughs) Like, I'm not that worried about it. For one thing, like, the list of my concerns in life, (laughs) you got to go a long way down that list before, uh, you get to me not being able to go to PAX. I would be bummed out. I love PAX. I go every year. I'll figure out a way to go. Right. But, um, Eh, you know, and you don't even need a ticket. What I do, I go and I play the board games and stuff. And, right. like, you don't even need a ticket to, like, go hang out and play board games. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> like, uh, it- there's a homeless guy, like, eating Quiznos next to me for 90% of Penny Arcade Expo. <laughs> like, I'm just, you know, and, and maybe I shouldn't be doing this, but I do follow the, the PAX subreddit. And, like, people are going nuts. Like, they're posting memes. They're like, why are you doing this to us? Uh, there's, there's, people are seeing this as almost like a personal 
attack against them that that Paneer Kane is is not has not started selling tickets yet. And much like you have stopped hate rating stuff. Yeah. I have stopped getting offended. It's just like unless someone like comes up to me and like spits in my face. Yeah. I I'm not going to be offended with people's agendas cuz just yeah. people do the things that people do and it's just that's called life like why get all bent out of shape over it it's just the way things are. Well and like Jesse this is going to be my 10th packs. This is going to be your 13th packs I think. If I make it, who yeah, knows? If I might be it. that homeless guy eating Quiznos. But like last year packs tickets sold out faster than ever before. The all of the tickets sold out in like less than 6 hours. And so yet co- somehow oh, somehow all of our friends that we've gone to packs with for the last few years were able to get tickets. Yeah, we had to do like a little bit of ticket exchange action. Yeah, but it wasn't that big because like Aaron bought two sets of tickets, I bought two sets of tickets. Like right. we and then we got media badges. So yeah, we had plenty of stuff. And like that begs even, the question. You sent me a text this morning, right? Which was if tickets go on sale, do you want me to buy you one? Yeah. You were just gonna do that as a homie. Yeah, no. You're like, I already got mine. Yeah, absolutely. Because I know That's that awesome. you work a job that you aren't at a computer. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, and this is the other thing about, like, people are freaking out. They're like, I can't, I I'm, I don't work a job where I'm at a computer. I'm like, do you have friends who can help you out? Like, do you, and if you don't, like, maybe you live in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and you're the only person that's going the packs that you know. There's a whole subreddit full of people here. Like, why don't you put together a network of people? Right. <laughs> like, there are ways here. People are getting really pissed off because I, I guess I should have mentioned this earlier, but the way that PAX tickets go on sale is that one day, a uh, penny card randomly sends out a t- tweet that says PAX tickets are now on sale. You have to click the link in the tweet and then you get put in a queue and then you buy your tickets. And last year, they all sold out in less than six hours. I imagine they're going to try, because last year was a bit of a debacle. They're probably figuring yeah. out a better way to do things now. Yeah. Like I they- think they should do it like Super Bowl tickets. Where uh-huh. <laughs> they're like, there's, they're literally, I'm, I'm not even kidding about this. There's three PAXs now, yeah. East, West, and South. There's four. There should. There's also Australia. Right. Uh, there's three U.S. ones. Yeah. Like, there should be certain states. Like, your zip mm-hmm. code has to be in these states if you want the tickets. Yeah, but PAX Prime really is still the premier PAX because it Don't takes care. place. Don't care. You got your own East I, Coast. I know, but it takes place at the end of the summer, which is like the end of the convention season. So, Still all the game game. companies are bringing out all of their holiday releases, and they have yeah, been to E3, all... and they've been to Gamescom, and and uh, and like PAX is like the end of the convention season, so it is kind sure. of a big deal. What's like the biggest release that's ever happened at a PAX? Duke, Duke Nukem Forever. <laughs> yeah, a garbage game. <laughs> I so think, who cares? I think they premiered like Halo Four at PAX or something. Microsoft uh, tends. I don't to, think that is true. Microsoft tends to show up pretty big at PAX because it's like in the I backyard. I still don't care. I, I actually am not even kidding. I think it would be a good idea. Like your yeah. your address, your billing address has to be within one of these states and divvy it up. Like we can't buy tickets to South. We can't buy tickets to East. Fine. <laughs> well, and the other part about it, dude, is like if you end up not getting tickets, there's plenty of other ways to go to PAX. Like, if you really want to go to PAX, you will go to PAX. Mm-hmm. Life finds a way. Life finds a way. Like, you can buy tickets from scalpers. You might get ripped off. But, you know, you you get to decide whether that's worth to you or not. The other thing about this is, like, the day before PAX, 
we had all these badges left over, so we're like, okay, well, we'll just sell them at cost to people and let more people go to PAX, right? Yeah. So we put them up on Craigslist, and we were only able to sell one set because <laughs> so many people posted to Craigslist selling them at cost the day before the con. So, like, there, and not to mention, like, you can volunteer to become an enforcer. You can uh, contact a media outlet. Actually, I kind of like, want to do that. I think it'd be interesting. It'd Part really of me interesting wants experience. to be an enforcer one year. Yeah. But, like, yeah, you could do that. You could contact a media outlet and ask them if they need any help covering the con. Like, there are no, or there are a plethora of ways. And you can also, like I said, team up with other people so that you are tag-teaming the ticket-buying process so you're not just relying on yourself to do it. There are a number of ways to do this. And if you really want to go to PAX, you will go to PAX. Like, Let's you... talk about this, Eric. Yeah. What are you excited about? About packs? Yeah. Board games with the friends. Uh, I'm excited too. about playing Twilight Struggle with you now. I want to play that. I'm already excited about the paint and take. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Paint and take. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm like, excited. We're not, like, excited about, like, getting hands-on with, like, any big AAA titles or... Play... I want to play Game of Thrones board game. Yep. I want definitely want to play Game of Thrones. So stoked. Uh, sunny weather, downtown Seattle. Beautiful time. Fun nerdville. Four four days. That's PAX. <laughs> Hashtag four days. Hashtag four days. D-A-Z-E. But, like, that's what I'm saying, dude. Like, life finds a way. If you really want to go to PAX, you can go to PAX. And the thing I want to talk from a psychology angle here, and, and we've been talking about this. Like, I'm trying to be more emotionally mature. That's something that I am specifically working on because I don't want to, like I said, hate read stuff anymore. And I'm also trying to not – like, I feel like there is a big part of our generation that is, like, really – gets really, really excited about being outraged. Like, we just can't wait to be outraged about something. I'm I'm glad that you're taking this yeah. approach because I feel like – as a, this is me as a father speaking. Uh-huh. I know at, at some point in your life you plan on being a father. Yeah. It's a non-stop tide of just emotionally draining and infuriating <laughs> things yeah. washing over you for yeah. year after year after year. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad that you're getting in the mindset. I feel like your emotionally growing up thing is going to prepare you well for when you have this little monster that just wants to destroy <laughs> everything all the time and poop on you and scream. Yeah, like, I'm going to let the baby be the monster, and I'll be the helpless human waiting for Godzilla to come in and save the day. <laughs> like, I... No, that's I, a good but attitude. I, but, like, really, I feel like our generation especially, like, yes, we are a series of... a bunch of narcissists who grew up online and try to make ourselves internet famous at every turn. But we're also love to be outraged about stuff. We just can't wait for the next thing to be outraged about. And, like... Right. Come on, like, this is the thing. Like, this guy who posted this thing and blew it up, like, he's not a Club PA member. He just was like, I feel like people need to know this. He really feels like he is the white knight exposing this thing, this Club PA stuff. And it's like, this is a subset of the nerd community of, like, I need to be the superhero in this situation and reveal this and be outraged about it when really not a big thing at all. Yeah, is. The lines between fame and infamy yeah. are definitely blurring. I don't know. I just don't have the emotional energy to get upset about <laughs> anything anymore. Yeah. I just want to play 
D&D and watch Jeopardy and maybe get like seven hours of sleep. <laughs> like that's all oh, I want. Man. And I, I understand like on this Reddit page is probably full of like college kids, like 20 year olds. But like we've been to plenty of PAXs, man. And like we're going to go to PAX. It's just what we do. Yeah. It's not I that also- hard to figure it out. <laughs> Just I love 2014 outrage. Speaking of like Memorial Day coming up, it was like, <laughs> yeah, like in the 40s, it was like, well, I guess we're gonna go invade Iwo Jima. Yeah, I guess that's what we're gonna do. <laughs> like, I feel like in the 40s, like people didn't get that upset about going to war <laughs> <laughs> and like dying at age 17. Yeah. As now we're getting upset about there could. They're letting a certain amount of people into their their convention before other people. <laughs> <laughs> They're waiting a full month and a half to release the tickets past what they did last time. We only have three months to figure out the rest of the trip. What if I can't use the supercomputer that I keep in my pocket at all times to instantly access the ticket sales to this convention of all sorts of fantastical entertainment devices? <laughs> I just love it. It's like, you know, if you wanted to go to the Super Bowl the night before the Super Bowl, you really wanted to go. If you wanted to go bad enough, you could do it. It's not that hard to procure a ticket to an event. Like, it's well, what Well, PAX the- is better than the Super I, I would, I would hands down mm-hmm. instantly, any day of the week, rather go to the PAX than the Super Bowl. I know. I'm just saying it would be, I would say, easier to get a ticket to PAX rather than a ticket to the Super Bowl. Like, if you want to go bad enough, you will go. If you don't want to go that bad and you only want to take the easy route, you may not be able to go. To be fair, dude, PAX happens in Seattle where you live. Yeah. Like, if you live in Austin, Texas, maybe you're a little bit more upset about the willy-nilly nature of going, flying halfway across the country and, like, scalping a ticket and going on Craigslist and stuff. Yeah, but you don't have to go on Craigslist. Like, you can go on eBay and buy a ticket. Like, if you really want to go, you can do it. Well, if you want to go, then that's the cost. Like, (laughs) I don't don't know what to tell you. Like... (laughs) It's, no, it's free market enterprise. Exactly. Like if you if you don't have the the means to to jump on a random ticket sale, there are other ways to procure, procure tickets. If those if that value is not good enough for you, then don't purchase tickets and don't go to PAX. If you want to go bad enough, you'll figure out a way. I'm going. I've I've already figured out a way. Yeah. So the um. They they hire this like security people. It's like dragon something. And they wear those like <laughs> yeah. red blazers, like you know? event events event pros. The event staff, yeah, event pros. I think is what they're called. I'm <clears throat> so I'm not gonna buy a ticket on eBay. I'm gonna buy one of those blazers. <laughs> I'm gonna buy one of those blazers, a hard hat, uh-huh. a reflective vest, nice. and a clipboard. Love it. You can get any. I could go into the Oval Office with that. Yeah, as long as you just walk like with a purpose. Mm-hmm. Walking with a purpose is 90% of getting into places. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just like that brisk pace. Yeah. <laughs> Writing something down as you walk, <laughs> not making eye contact. If someone tries to stop you, just be like, oh, okay. And then like circle something. Uh, right. Can I get your badge number? What's your name? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Okay. <laughs> okay. 
this is going to be a problem. And then do like the walkie-talkie. Yeah, you need a walkie-talkie. You need to have somebody on the other end of the walkie-talkie. Yeah. <laughs> With like, the chirp, like, yeah. Bleep, bleep. yeah, I'm getting a problem. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's that problem I was telling you about. Yeah. Yeah. I know exactly what I was telling you about earlier about the problem. Yeah, no, it's even worse than I thought. Anyway, I gotta get through. Um, don't make me talk to your boss. Don't make me report you. <laughs> Basically, it's me playing the goblin from your D&D campaign. Yeah, or you could just be like, Lady, there is a there is a toilet overflowing with shit. Every minute, 12 <laughs> gallons of shit pour out of the toilet. Do you want to be the person who's preventing me from going and plugging up that toilet? Look, either you can clean that stall up, or I will. <laughs> I'm LARPing as an event pro staff member. No, all you need is, like, a trash can, and you can even put, hide somebody in the trash can. <laughs> oh, that's true, you can wheel them in. Yeah, just wheel them right in. <laughs> You're pushing a trash can, no one's gonna stop you. No one is gonna stop a person pushing a trash can. Oh, man, that is really funny. I bet I could make it onto the stage of the keynote <laughs> dress. Which oh, <laughs> just me with my clipboard. <laughs> <laughs> clipboard in a trash can, you could go anywhere. Mm-hmm. You and get I'll on... unfurl a banner that says, like, it's like that banner that was like, um, save the dolphins, go to www.thecove.com right. slash personal arrogance. <laughs> It'll be great. Yeah, you could get on the Air Force One with a clipboard and a trash can. <laughs> the president's personal bathroom <laughs> is overflowing at a rate of twelve gallons per minute. I don't think they even like use water. Like, like it's a it's an exactly. like, airplane. No, this is water. Air Force One. <laughs> I'm just saying exactly. No water involved. Pure, unadulterated. I Sewage. wish there were water involved. <laughs> I'm bringing the water. <laughs> what do you think this trash can is full of? <laughs> it looks like mostly your friends. <laughs> no, you put the trash, the plastic trash bag over them. Oh, okay. Yeah. It looks like mostly your dead, suffocated <laughs> friends. <laughs> Don't mind that. If this conversation didn't take so long, they'd be alive right now. Their death is on your hands. Do you want to be the one person standing between me <laughs> and the president's poop? Anyway, guys, buy tickets. It's not that hard. Are you still going to buy me a ticket? Yeah. If I'm okay, if it, if it's available, I'll do it. I definitely appreciate that cuz there's no way that I can buy one yeah. through. Well, this is what I'm saying, like hang out. They allow you to buy four passes, so talk to your friends. Have a friend. Most people don't go to PAX by themselves. Talk to your friends, create a network. First person that gets in buys everybody passes. Not that hard. Right. Until, like, there's a miscommunication and all of your friends have each bought four. Oh, that's, I that'd guess be that's terrible. not a big problem. Yeah, that'd be awful. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, guys, that's PAX. That's PAX News. Get ready for a summer of PAX News because we'll talk about it every summer. I'm so fucking excited. Yeah, man. We are on the, we are on the home stretch here. Rocky Mountain Correspondent is coming. Is he? He said he's buying that's, a ticket, but he, he said he's not me. sure that he's going to be there. Mm, he's coming. 
I hope that Gino and Aaron can make it too. I really want them to come, and I want to play touch football. Oh, yeah, let's do it. I've been practicing. I got my uh, crew here in Seattle, too. They'll get together for a game, get okay. some more people on the field. That'd be a lot of fun. Anyway, Jesse, what's your second topo? <laughs> okay, for my second topic, I would like to talk about Marxism. Marxism, hammer and sickle, hammer and sickle, sharing a pickle, Marxism. Um, the hammer and sickle is more of like a Leninist thing. Yeah, but come on. Okay, so uh, more than 100 demonstrators, Eric, uh-huh. who were seeking better pay as McDonald's workers were arrested on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. As protesters swarmed the fast food chain's corporate campus near Chicago, demanding a minimum wage of $15 an hour and mm-hmm. the right to unionize. Yeah. I love this. <laughs> so, in the interest of full disclosure, uh-huh. I'm a bit of a Marxist. Okay. I went to a liberal arts college. <laughs> You went to the lib- oh, actually the second most liberal arts college in Washington State. I would After say. After Evergreen? Evergreen? Yeah. Well, they're sister schools. Oh, okay. <laughs> but you're like you're like the sister that like got a job and like is working it out but still holds on to her ideals. Like Evergreen is just really that free spirit sister. So like so Evergreen's like my sister. <laughs> Evergreen is the, what is she, a fauna tracker in Australia? Yeah, she's a fauna spotter. Fauna spotter in Australia. Um, yeah. And yeah, and <laughs> perfect. Yeah, no, it's, it's cool stuff. But I, I love the idea of workers. I love striking, for one thing. I mm-hmm. love workers just being like, fuck you, we're not going to work. <laughs> like, okay. You want to pay us for shit. All of us have decided we're not going to do your job anymore. Yeah. And then they're like, uh, okay. We'll deal with it. <laughs> I feel like this is one of the greatest things that humans can do. Uh-huh. But it it takes like a remarkable social movement because everyone right. has to be on the same page, yeah. you know? Because it's like, we're all going to quit until you give us $15 an hour. And they're like, okay, we can just hire a bunch of other people for $8 an hour. And then it's over. Right. But I am totally in support of this. And I hope it works out because screw it. $15 is like $0 now. (laughs) Like $15 when in 2004 was like a bunch of dollars. Now it's like $0. (laughs) Well, I mean, if you're trying to convert it to Canadian dollars. Um, That's massive burn on the loony there. <laughs> no, that, no, I'm saying that in 2004, I used to go back to school shopping in Canada because the power of the dollar was so strong. We would take right. a vacation yearly to Canada. Would you? Yes, to Canada to go back to school shopping. It was wonderful. That is crazy. Wonderful. Now the Canadians about... come here to shop because the power of the dollar is so weak. Let me tell you about uh, the year 2008. Uh-huh. I had recently graduated from the aforementioned uh, liberal arts college and was working in a mall in Bellingham, Washington, effectively a border town. Right. The the closest mall to uh, the closest American mall to uh, yeah. Vancouver. Vancouver, yeah. 
and um, the Canadian dollar was worth like a dollar and ten cents American, uh-huh. and it was a nonstop swarm of Canadians <laughs> coming over the border to buy clothes, and like you have to pay taxes if you mm-hmm. buy like over something like three hundred dollars of goods in America and bring it back, right? Right. So of course they're like. They would discard all the tags. They would just like to- tear the tags off and uh, throw them in the bags and throw all the like Sears bags or whatever, right. American Eagle, whatever, in the parking lot. So it was just like this wasteland yeah. of plastic bags. Because <sighs> uh, I didn't even have the common courtesy to be like, I don't need a bag. Yeah. Like, yeah, give me the bag. I need something to throw my <laughs> receipts and tags into in the parking lot. <laughs> oh, man, what a hellhole. <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> but the protests against McDonald's Corporation, the world's biggest restaurant operator by revenue, came a day bef- uh, before the shareholder vote on executive pay, including oh. that of Chief Executive Don Thompson, who earned a total compensation of $9.5 million in 2013. Donnie Tom. Um, on, on, on one hand, you know, I'm totally about, like, pay the working guys but i also feel like if you're ceo of uh-huh. mcdonald's like 9.5 million sounds about right to me well plus i'm sure he gets stock options i mean I'm, i bet i bet you that's like his base salary he probably gets stock compensation as well sure but like i feel like if if like you're the ceo of mcdonald's and someone's like oh you must be pretty well off you're yeah. like no i make about 60 grand yeah. like that would be weird well, and honestly, nine and a half million doesn't sound that much to me to be a CEO of a yeah, <laughs> multinational like one of the corporation. Big, probably like one of the top 100 most profitable, profitable corporations in the world. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's why I'm saying it sounds yeah. about right. Yeah. I would, I would have guessed more. Yeah. I actually would have guessed, I would have been like 50 mil probably. Yeah. But nine, five. You know, that's about what Joe Flacco makes. <laughs> exactly. That's like what Russell Wilson's going to make. <laughs> eh, maybe. When, they sign when, he, when he signs with, like, Tampa Bay or something. Uh-huh. So McDonald's spokeswoman Heidi Barker uh, Shechem said the company and its franchises were monitoring the minimum wage debate. $15 is unrealistic, but we know that the minimum wage will increase over time, she said. Yeah, well... Th- this is a uh, this is a it's a bit of a skewed view for us here in Washington State, I think, because because uh, of the SeaTac thing. Well, but also we have the highest minimum wage in the country in this state. We do. Yeah, so we're we at, have a high cost of living. We do, but uh, but but yeah, I mean, so federal minimum wage, I guess, is now seven twenty five. When I was like in high school, federal minimum wage was like five fifty an hour. That's it. Yeah, seven twenty five. Yeah, I working forty hours a week. I could not live off of that. Nobody could. That's that's fourteen thousand dollars a year salary. Yikes! How crazy is that? Like that's such a small amount of money. And people are like, well, minimum wage jobs are not intended to be full time jobs. But <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, let's take a look at the reality of the situation we are living in. <laughs> like that's that's not necessarily true there are a lot of people who use minimum wage jobs as their full-time jobs and you'd have to have like two full-time minimum wage jobs in order to to just make it 
did you see that uh, thing that McDonald's like publish internally to their employees about like budgeting money? Mm-mm. Yeah, they had this thing about how if you're working forty hours here, how to budget your money, and it's like X amount for rent, X amount for utilities, X amount for phone, and that came to like their entire. Uh, earnings at McDonald's, and then it was like, plus you add your earnings from another job, which is just, uh, which was as much as they were making at McDonald's for yeah. forty hours. So it was yeah. assuming they were make working eighty hours a week, right? And it didn't include food. Ironically, wow! Like that's yeah. the thing you you literally can't even afford to shop at McDonald's working at McDonald's. <laughs> no, can't. You're like, yeah, ramen for me. Like, I, I'm sorry, and, like, I, I understand the whole idea here that if you raise the minimum wage, the price of everything goes up. That's the common conception. Um, but, guys, seven twenty-five an hour is ridiculous. Yeah, that's, that is not livable. I'm, I'm sorry, and I'm sorry. I guess this is my liberal bleeding heart here. We have a, we have a, a minimum wage of $9.32. I mean, my basic view on the minimum wage here is comes from Chris Rock. He had, like, the best quote I've ever heard on minimum wage. Which is, if you're getting paid minimum wage, it's basically your employer telling you, if we could pay you less, we would. We would, yeah. <laughs> like, come on, the idea that you have to have a minimum wage because people will literally basically try to enslave people if you right. don't have some kind of barrier for them to pay. Right. You have to pay at least $7 to a person, which is practically nothing. I mean, come on. Um. Anyway. No, no, that's uh, that's not livable. This is this is My, a big debate here in Seattle because the mayor of Seattle is proposing a fifteen dollar minimum wage for the city. I think you have to, man. I lived in Seattle. I yeah. made less than fifteen dollars, and I live with shitty ass roommate. I I got the cheapest room and the cheapest house available. Live with shitty ass roommates and like barely scraped by. And I, was, and I moved. Remember the fruit flies? Yes. I yeah. left. I was like, this is poverty. <laughs> I can't live here. Technically, dude, that was a very Marxist living environment, though. It, you had, like, couch surfers coming through. You had some chickens in the backyard. It, well, I don't know if that's the definition of Marxism. <laughs> but my, my favorite no. quote on minimum wage, Eric. So I don't know if you knew this, but my cousin, John. Mm-hmm was the manager of the Dairy Queen in Silverdale for a while. Okay. And he had a he had a worker who was uh n- not doing that much and I and my my cousin John's a pretty pretty easygoing guy mm-hmm. and uh so he's like trying to rally this guy to uh you know put in a little bit of extra effort and the the guy goes minimum wage means minimum fucking effort. <laughs> and my cousin was like fair enough yeah, can't really argue with that <laughs> yeah. can't, can't argue with that well see, but the- no i no i'm i'm totally in favor of a higher minimum wage i i want more of a middle class <laughs> well that's the problem is that i was talking to my sister and my brother-in-law about this like you have to be making at least a hundred thousand dollars a year to be a middle class person in seattle there like, was, with the I cost of some... living in the city of Seattle, you your household needs to be making at least $100,000 a year to to be able to afford to, say, buy a house. 
Cairo, like, um, I just saw this on the local news. Mm-hmm. It's at least it's like mid eighty grand to yeah. buy a house in Seattle. And that's the thing too, is that uh so you're make your family's making a hundred thousand dollars a year in Seattle or ninety thousand dollars a year. Let's say your household's making ninety thousand dollars a year in Seattle. That'd you're awesome. you're basically middle class. You're basically at the point where you can own a townhouse or a condo in the city and afford to live here within the city limits of the city. Uh, but the problem is that the federal government doesn't treat you like a middle-class person at that point. When no, really, then they start taxing the fuck out of you. Yeah, which is like you are basically living a middle-class lifestyle. And I don't know. It's, I, there's a lot of factors that play into this. But the fact of the matter is you look at these um, successful urban centers. Seattle's a very successful urban center. We have very successful, high-paying businesses that are located here in the city uh and uh, that are headquartered here in the city and you you need to ha- be making a certain amount of money to be a middle class person in the city uh and fifteen dollars is like barely scraping the bottom of that barrel yeah no that's still really tough to get by on. yeah absolutely and the fact of the matter is if you have something like oh I don't know a family yeah like the prices of goods will go up yeah the prices of the goods in the city are expensive. Like, the fact of the matter is, the person serving you burgers in downtown Seattle should not have to live 40 miles outside the city in order to be able to find a place to live. It is with their family. It is really weird that these there's these urban centers right. that still totally rely on a class of people who have to do yeah. things like janitorial, who are uh, working as a cook in a fast food establishment mm-hmm. it, it relies on people who do these jobs, but right. it's like the society is not willing to pay you enough to live there and support yeah. yourself. So exactly. Also weird other things like tips where it's like, well, the, the, you're not required to, the, this business is not required to pay you a living wage. So the customers <laughs> get to guess. Yeah how much extra money to give you so that you can survive. Yeah. Like, that is a weird-ass thing. It is, man. Like, I guess I'll give you $2, or do you need $7? I don't know what you need to live. <laughs> this is a weird social equation that's going on. Yeah. And I, I understand both sides. I understand, you, you know, things go... The theoretical thing, if you raise the minimum wage, price of everything goes up. Oh, because the price of everything has been totally... Yeah standard and <laughs> totally not going up at all not to mention if fast food gets more expensive i don't know people might go grocery shopping more which would be terrible if they weren't eating crazy processed fast food all the time <laughs> this all awful. has to do with like if people eat less fast food then like all the corn farmers like can't sell their goods and it turns out like our entire economy is based off of growing corn and if the bottom of that falls out then we really fall into anarchy i don't know all right four dollar minimum wage guys let's get back to business back to 25 cent mcdonald burgers please (laughs) i'm gonna be running for president in 40 years and this specific podcast episode is gonna come back to bite me in the ass 40 years yeah i'm gonna be an old president yeah i'm gonna run for president let's see i'm 27 (laughs) so i got eight years left yeah. I'm going to be like John McCain. All right. Yeah, you're going to be John McCain. I'm going to be like JFK. Well, there you go. 
Maybe I'll be That ended well for him, right? I'm a little hazy. Well, we all know that he had high hopes. Mm. Call back to the trivia. Should have ducked. Anyway... Let's let's move on, Jesse. Let's tell you about Bald Move Network, guys. Baldmove.com, so much stuff happening right there, right now. An insane amount of stuff, really. Um, and uh, I'm sure that Aaron would probably disagree with some of the things we've been talking about on this episode. But I don't think so, man. He's got a he's a lot like me. He's mm-hmm. liberal in some ways and conservative in others. Yeah, he's a libertarian. I don't know if you want yeah. people telling us that, but uh, I don't anyway. care. We're here to air his uh, political. <laughs> we are doing a ton of stuff on baldmove.com, and not us. When I say we, I mean Jim and Aaron. They are doing the twenty-four podcast. They're doing Game of Thrones. They're doing Mad Men. They're doing a Game of Thrones instant cast. They are also doing uh, Fargo, um, and uh, of course the Because shows up there. Uh, Upstairs and downstairs is up there. You gotta you gotta love it. Baldmove.com, guys. Um, and also, uh, there's a support section. You can click that and see all the different ways to support baldmove.com on baldmove.com. Uh, and you can also get in touch with us, guys. Personal arrogance at gmail.com, 360-362-0024 on Twitter at personal podcast. We are on Facebook at the Baldmove Facebook page and the personal arrogance Facebook page. Um, and, uh, we're also on iTunes. You can rate and review us on iTunes. That helps us out a ton. It bumps us up those rankings and makes us personal arrogance nation a little bit bigger. Um, and, uh, we, like I said, we have a Facebook page each week. We post on there, say we're recording tonight. Tell us what you want us to talk about. And we talk about it here. And, uh, we'll start off with Nate. Nathan says, what do you guys think of the new Batman costume? Personally, I like the new suit. It reminds me of when Frank Miller did the Dark Knight Returns. And can we just talk about how stupid the title of the movie is? It's Batman V Superman Dawn of Justice. Sounds like a first grader came up with the name. Um, yeah. I don't know. I like that it's only slightly different from the Department of Justice. <laughs> I mean, it's a title of a movie. Like, Star Wars A New Hope doesn't sound like that cool of a title either. Right, but it was originally published as just Star Wars. Well, what about Return of the Jedi? I'm more of a Revenge of the Jedi guy myself. Me too, but Jedis do not seek revenge. I don't know, and I like the costume. I think it'll be cool. Change it up a little bit. Uh, Kevin Smith apparently said that it's blue and gray, so that's neato. Uh, Sammy says, did you guys go see Godzilla yet? And if so, what did you think? It was so much fun to watch at one point. I had to keep myself from shouting because I was so excited. I was in a theater where I didn't have to do that. And I was very excited by the movie, obviously. Uh, Adam says, how about Microsoft backtracking once again and throwing a big suck it to early adopters by putting out a connectless xbox one for the same price as the ps4 it's like last generation all over again except sony and microsoft to switch places now watch sony announce a price cut at e3 doesn't matter though since neither of them have any games super nintendo all day baby (laughs) it is kind of funny because yeah this is the big story here is when xbox one came out they're like you have to have a connect it doesn't work without a connect and now they're like it works without a connect so yeah, well, early adopters always get screwed. Yeah, that's the that's the price of being an early adopter. Yeah. Um, Tim Gunn says, uh, "When to wear a leather trench coat and modifiers for the tiny mat roll off? Never wear a leather trench Never, coat. Never ever wear a leather trench coat. And unless you're like, unless you're on a ticket time machine to World War One and you're literally in a trench, right?" Then, then okay, but besides that, never. Never, ever, ever. And I, we don't have any modifiers. 
Well, you said you had a plus eight modifier. That was a joke. Oh. I know. Sometimes it's too subtle. My humor. Yeah. I'm deadpan. Just so deadpan. Yeah. I'm deadpan as a deadpan. You're Deadpool's new sidekick, deadpan. Rolo Tomasi says, do you think Adam Sandler's new movie was made as an excuse to just go to Africa on a production company's budget? P.S. I learned a valuable lesson about Iron Claws. They hurt like crap, man. Hashtag stars above. (laughs) This whole thing I love. Uh, Yeah, when I saw the trailer for Adam Sandler's new movie, I thought that it was literally a joke. I had two options. Uh Uh-huh. Duck, roll to the right and do a spinning back kick to the back of his head. Mm Mm-hmm. Or take a claw to the face and die. Right. I went and saw Blended. (laughs) Option number three. The most painful of all. (laughs) Oh, it's beautiful. Brooke says, do you guys have a Google Plus page? If you don't, you should. You can share hilarious gifts there, which is the best ever. Uh, We don't have a Google Plus page. I don't think we have gifts. I don't think we have gifts to share. We could have gifts. Of what? Like us talking into microphones? Yeah. <laughs> I'll just You don't want to for one, you don't want to see me. Right. You don't want to see our ugly mugs. I do every podcast completely nude. Yeah, me too. I thought that was Yeah, that's like normal. You got a nude cast. It, otherwise you're too constrained. You got to let your ideas flow. I did not move to far western Washington to not be a nudist. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, man. Google Plus is just, it still hasn't grabbed me, even though I have the Google phone. Um, Anyway, Weird. maybe someday. Thank you for your feedback. Once again, Facebook, uh, we're on there. Go to Personal Arrogance on there and, and like us. Jesse, what is your first rec of this week? Um, I'm going to recommend Dungeons & Dragons 3.5. Man, I've been having so much fun with D&D lately. Oh, yeah. What a fun game system. Um, and I am going to recommend, um, oh God, we got an email this week. I got an email this week. I'm sorry. I got to, I have to save it for next week. Um, I, I didn't talk about it, but one of the things I want to talk about is HBO Go. I got HBO Go and it's amazing. So I'm pouring through a lot of shows right now. And, uh, and my favorite show now is Silicon Valley. It is by Mike Judge who did Office Space and Beavis and Butthead. And he's got this new show about a startup in Silicon Valley, and it's wonderful. So Silicon I've heard Valley. that's good. I want to actually see that. It's freaking great. I yeah yeah that's something I'd like to see. Malcolm Taylor, if you're still listening, I got your email. We'll talk about it next week. I promise. Okay, Jesse Secoreco. Well, I want to recommend. Bear with me on this one. Uh huh. Rick Steves. Are you a Rick Steves Absol- guy? I'm, I'm a huge Rick Steves guy. Ah, it's so funny. My yeah. wife has, like, this crush on Rick Steves. Oh, Lydia loves Rick Steves. Yeah, I mean, I think secretly he's, like, a ladies' man. Oh, definitely. Because he's so confident. Super confident. Plus, but, he smokes like, a ton of weed. <laughs> yeah, apparently it's, like, a huge 420. He has like, a, literally an infomercial. He, he has an infomercial on television called Marijuana, It's Time for a Conversation. Love it. <laughs> yes. Rick Steves. He's He's one of those guys, like... He he could be like a total player because he just doesn't care and he's just a hundred percent himself. Yeah, love it. But the thing is, like about his show, Rick Steves Europe, 
Uh-huh. It'll, it'll be on, right? And we'll be like channel surfing, and Tasha will be like, let's watch Rick Steves. I'm like, ah, uh, I don't want to watch Rick Steves. <laughs> yep. and like three and a half minutes in, I'm like, this is amazing. I know. I had no idea about all this stuff about Europe. And then like at the end, he has a blooper section. Yeah. Exactly. Does it show that he's human? Yeah. No. he He's kind of like the ultimate man. And he's from Edmonds, Washington. Yeah, dog. He lives it's in Edmonds. True. He absolutely lives in Edmonds. He's he's absolutely Canadian. No, he's from Edmonds. No, he's a Washingtonian, uh, true and true. No, yes. I, my entire 100%. perception of reality will be shattered if he's not Canadian. He's the most Canadian person he's ever. From Edmonds, Washington, it's two hours from the Canadian border. That's true. It's very Canada centric, but I got a lot to think about. <laughs> All right, my psycho recos go camping. I'm going to Bend, Oregon this weekend. I'm going camping. I'm very excited. Go yeah, camping, guys. I'm do, so excited for you. Do what my wife and I are doing. We're going on one camping trip every month from April to September. Jump on board. It's not well. It is too late for April, but Mar- May is not too late. Go camping this weekend. It's great. Go do it. It's fun. Mm-hmm. It's no one goes camping on Memorial Day weekend, so nope. you'll have all the campgrounds <laughs> free for sure. <laughs> All right, Jesse, thanks so much for joining me this week once again. And uh, to the listener, please stay in touch. And until next week, remember that wherever you go, whatever you do, please stay stay arrogant. I'm Rick Steves.